Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show, coming to you on this Saturday, September the 5th, 2020. Hopefully, it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. We are digging in on an episode today titled 10 Leading Causes of Weight Gain and Obesity. Now, I'm going to play this off of a Healthline document that I believe Chris Gunners uh, has medically reviewed. Everything on here looks legit to me, so I'm going to share kind of some of the bullet points. I'm going to share my take, my experiences at working with people here for, you know, well over a decade and over 15 years, you know, total of kind of living this health and fitness life. But before I dig in to today's episode, this is brought to you by my homies over at JLab Pro. These are the guys I use for my protein powder, my curl oil. Uh, my probiotics and a handful of other things right now i believe you can still get a free bottle of probiotics from them the link is in my instagram bio right now if you want a complete months free bottle of probiotics all you do is pay the shipping it's probably like five six bucks give or take uh but they are having a labor day sale on their entire store i think starting today going all the way through this week and so if you guys are interested um, hit me up. I'll send you the link. Again, it's the protein powder I use. They sweeten it with stevia. It's easy on my stomach. doesn't make me shit my pants, and it uh, it doesn't bother me. That's why I've been taking it for so long. And obviously, if you know me, I'm a fan of curl oil and probiotics for the gut health, for the, you know, obviously the omegas, the, you know, inflammation benefits and putting, you know, getting rid of the bad junk in my body and obviously putting the good things in. So if you guys are interested, you can hit me up. I'm happy to send you the, the website. Obviously, it's jeremyscottfitness.com. Excuse me. It's jeremyscottfitness.jlabpro.com. Uh, otherwise, I can send it to you directly. And I believe the discount code for the 25% off storewide sale is capital JH25. But uh, it'll come out in our newsletter as well. If you guys are not on the newsletter, hit me up. I'm happy to share uh, that with you. We send out at least three email, emails a week, every single week. And I've done that for over 11 years. Some weeks we do five or six emails. But a minimum of three emails per week. But they have a discount going on, so I'm happy to share it with all of you guys listening because I appreciate you. So, with that said, we're talking the 10 leading causes of weight gain and obesity. Obviously, obesity is one of the biggest health problems in the world. America, uh, I think we do it we do it the best, meaning we do it the worst of anybody. Uh, but obesity is not just confined to America. It, it is a, a health problem all over the world. It's associated with obviously several related conditions, collectively known as metabolic syndrome. If you guys ever hear that, that's what we're talking about. Now, in terms of metabolic syndrome, under that umbrella, we're going to talk about high blood pressure, elevated blood pressure, and poor blood lipid profiles. Uh, people with metabolic syndrome are at a much higher risk for things like heart disease, type 2 diabetes, compared to people who are in what we consider a normal healthy weight range. So again, I don't mind if people want to be heavier and they feel sexy and they feel great. That's awesome. But just know like being obese and being overly big for your frame, height and weight, um, it's it comes with some some risk factors, and it. Uh, I think when we look at the, the current state of what's going on, and you look at you know what can happen down the road, it's going to be to your benefit to be in a healthy weight range. I'm not saying you got to be shredded like Rambo. That's not that's not the conversation here. Just being in a healthy weight range. Now, obviously, over the past you know a couple of decades, a lot of research has focused on the causes of obesity and how we could prevent it and treat it. Yet. 
we still find ourselves in this boat. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, heart disease is like the number one killer of people in America. So obviously we don't have a handle on it. Um, we have more cookbooks, we have more access to fitness and things than ever before, but we still haven't solved the problem because it's, it's a lifestyle issue. It's not just, you know, here's a meal plan. Here's a workout program, do it and you'll be fine. No, no. To be fit and to be healthy is something you have to do and manage day after day after day. And you don't got to be perfect every day. You just have to make a little bit of progress every day. And you have to consistently work out. You have to consistently eat right. You have to consistently make a better choice. And that's the that's the thing that a lot of people don't want to hear. And that's the hardest, well, one of the hardest things about this as a coach is, is trying to get people to buy into that and understand that because they just think oh well if I just do this until I get here then I can chill out I'm like no whatever you did to get somewhere you're going to have to keep doing it to stay there and the reality is we're always getting older and probably softer and wrinklier and our hair is getting whiter or grayer or it's falling out and so if you did something to get somewhere yeah you're going to have to keep doing it but you're probably going to have to keep working even harder and success hacking it even harder to stay there because father time after probably the age of 25 really isn't going to work in your favor. So if we touch on obesity and will and willpower, uh, a lot of people seem to think that, you know, weight gain and uh, being obese is simply caused by a lack of willpower. And that's not entirely true. Uh, maybe if I was 20 years old, I would have thought that and I couldn't understand why people, you know, just couldn't have the willpower and they just couldn't, you know, quit something and they just couldn't, you know, start doing something different and figure it out. But I've, I've dealt with addiction, obviously, in my life, and I've, I've fought through it. And I always will go back to when I was highly addicted to, to chewing tobacco, like I just, you know, chewing everything from Kodiak to Copenhagen to Skull to, to Grizzly, if you guys know what I'm talking If you guys live in the chew world, Grizzly is like the real that's the real ghetto chew. It's super cheap. And it's basically just like putting straight fiberglass in your mouth. It's disgusting. But I was super addicted. And it, it took me a long time to quit. And it took me multiple attempts to quit. And uh, it, it's not for a lack of willpower. Like, I'm obsessive compulsive. Like, I'm when I want to do something, I'll fucking do it. But, it, man, it, it had a hold on me for sure. And uh, I've seen people quit things cold turkey. My dad quit smoking cold turkey. He stopped drinking for a couple months cold turkey. And uh, it's impressive. But even if you can do it in a moment, which that's when it all happens, there's probably multiple failed attempts in front of that to quit. And there's probably thousands of conversations you've had in your head before like, well, I can quit anytime I want to, but I just don't want to. That's a lot of that's what addicts say. It's what I told myself a lot of times. I can quit drinking, and then you find yourself, you know, going back into the same, you know, patterns over and over and over again. And so, people who, and I, and I'll say this, um, in terms of addiction, I think food addiction is is one of the the hardest ones out there for the fact of like you don't have to shoot dope, like you don't have to smoke cigarettes, chew tobacco, you don't have to drink booze, you have to fucking eat though. At some point, you have to eat. You can fast all you want, but at some point, you're going to get hungry and you're going to have to eat. You might go days without food. That's fine. But at some point, you have to eat. And so weight gain obesity is not just about a lack of willpower. Although, obviously, a lot of weight gain is largely the result of people's eating behaviors and their lifestyles. And obviously, some people are at a disadvantage when it comes to controlling their eating habits. And 
the thing is, is, is overeating is driven by various biological factors like genetics and hormones. And certain people obviously are simply predisposed to gaining weight. And I use the example, let's say myself, I'm naturally an ectomorph. I'm naturally skinny. I have the joints of a seven-year-old girl. I've worked this hard to put on this much muscle on this small frame. And the balance that I try to do is keep as much muscle mass while not being like, I could be way bigger and muscular too. I just wouldn't be as lean. So I'm trying to balance like how much muscle, and I could be way leaner, you know, like completely shredded to the bone, but I'd have to lose some muscle mass. And so I'm, I'm doing this balancing act. And so for me, the struggle was always how much muscle can I build and be lean? But I, I had to work for years to build the muscle where like, Abiji Gador is naturally more muscular than me, but he had to work harder with the stuff to be leaner. Like my homie Ben, like I'll give you an example. Ben and I would go out, we used to work together, and uh, we'd go out to like this place. Where would we go? Uh, Santisi Brothers. It's in, where is it? It's way north Phoenix, kind of in the hood. And uh, we would get pizza and like a pizzuki or like a brownie pizzuki, or we go to Oregano's here, which is another uh, popular pizza place i'm talking way back in the day we watch ufc fights would eat pizza and go crazy now i could do that and i'd feel like a, a bloated you know disgusting fart monster on the way home but i wake up the next day and it really wouldn't affect me now ben looks at a pizza and he gains five pounds he's naturally just a bigger dude he's going to build more muscle than me faster but he's naturally a bigger human he's six foot nine probably all of about 280 fucking pounds so he's a he's a, he's a beast you know i I'm never going to be 6'9", obviously, and I don't think I can ever get to 280 pounds, even if I laid on my ass all day and ate. It just isn't going to happen for me. So there is, you know, biological factors, you know, genetics, hormones, where certain people can just be naturally bigger. You see it. Like, you look at, you know, uh, who's, I'm trying to think of someone who's like super, super paper thin. Um, You know, you look at Brock Lesnar. Like, you look at his neck. You look at his fucking head. Like, Brock Lesnar was not going to be, you know, a jockey in a horse race. It just wasn't going to happen. The dude's, the dude's built. He's a Viking, you know, where like the guys who, who jockey are five foot six, 130 pounds. Like genetics is real, everybody. So if you're listening out there, if you're the skinny girl, respect. Awesome. If you're the girl who's got a, a naturally, you know, thicker, nice booty, respect. Awesome. Genetics is real. You, you can't pick your mom and dad. And, and that has a lot to do with a lot of things that go on in our lives. Obviously people can overcome their genetic disadvantages by changing their lifestyle and their behaviors. And obviously lifestyle changes do require willpower, dedication, and perseverance. And that's really hard to do. It's hard to fight what naturally comes to you. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm naturally uh, obsessive compulsive about certain things and it works to my advantage in a lot of areas of life, but it also works to my disadvantage in a lot of other areas as well. And it's hard to kind of fight that when I can play into it for, you know, for writing and for, for podcasting and for business and for training. It's amazing. But when I get into the cycle of like drinking and drugs and become addicted, it works the same way. If I'm, you know, I always say this, like I share the story all the time, like my best friend and I growing up, would always talk about like, you know, we would drink and, and do drugs like the normal shit, you know people do growing up at least where I come from and you know we would always joke like if we're gonna you know smoke weed we're gonna be the best weed smokers ever and like but that's the that's the obsessive compulsive mentality like if I was gonna chew tobacco I was gonna be the best tobacco chewer ever if I was gonna drink booze I wasn't just gonna have one or two drinks socially I was gonna drink 20 beers till I pee my pants and headbutt the wall and then I wake up somewhere I don't even know still to this day 
as much self-control as I have, um, I can easily slide down that same path. So willpower, dedication, and perseverance is important, and that comes naturally to some other people, but some people it doesn't. And so nevertheless, to claim that you know behavior is purely a function of willpower is far too simplistic of a statement. Saying that behavior is purely just a function of willpower is really just an oversimplification of the reality because it doesn't take into account all the factors that ultimately determine you know what people do and when they do it. And we all have, uh, there's emotional triggers with food, there's emotional triggers with booze, there's certain things that we rely on or we depend on or we go to or there's codependencies, there's so many things. That's why when I coach people now, I'm so much better than I was at you know 24 years old because I've heard people's stories, I've seen what they go through, I, I, I've watched it happen. And I, I empathize. I, I truly do. I, it's it's uh, it's a gift and a curse because I, I empathize with people and I feel bad for them and sometimes I carry that shit with me. Um, I think it what makes me a good coach, but it also ruins my fucking <laughs> personal life when I go home. Um, but it's true. And when I see somebody come in and they got two kids and they have a stressful career, maybe their marriage isn't great, that's going to be a factor. That on top of their natural personality traits and in who they naturally are and what they do, um, that's going to play into it. And I see that and I'm like, you're trying, you're trying to do something with your physical body and your eating habits, but you have 19 other problems that you probably have to fix first. And that's the tough thing. That's why I say it's, it's easier for me. I'm naturally OCD. I'm naturally like a paper thin person. I do fitness for a living. I still show up and take my shirt off for money for lack of a better term. So there's a lot of things that work to my advantage. There's fewer things that are a disadvantage to me. I'm naturally an overeater. I'm naturally, you know, an alcoholic. I'm naturally addicted to things, you know, cinnamon rolls, french fries, shit like that can be one of them. So there's things that do work against me, but more often than not, it plays in my favor. And so I try to take into account all the factors that determine what people do, when they do it, why they do it, and how they do it. And that's why we harp on sustainability here of finding a lifestyle that works for you and asking yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze in terms of how lean do you want to be and what kind of life do you want to live? Because ultimately it comes down to what kind of lifestyle can you live that's sustainable and enjoyable to get the results that you want. Cut and dry, plain and simple. There's no el- there's no other way I can really say that. You have to find a lifestyle that's going to work for you and your goals and what you want to do that is sustainable and allows you to be able to work hard enough and and beat your body up and still eat foods that you like and eat foods that are healthy for you. That's going to match with what the goal of what your physical body looks like, feels like, and moves like in your mind and what you can actually do in the real world. So the 10 factors that are the leading causes of weight gain, obesity, and metabolic disease, many of which have nothing to do with willpower. And so if you're listening to me right now and you've struggled with your weight and you've yo-yoed and you know somebody who's struggling with their weight and has yo-yoed and went up and down, share this, obviously, podcast with them and let them know it's not just because you're soft. It's not just because you don't give a shit. It's not just because you don't have willpower. There's a lot of things that factor into it that have nothing to do with willpower. And with that said, you can combat a lot of this shit, though. You can fight against your genetics. You can fight against your circumstances. You can fight against your schedule. And if you really want something in this life uh, to be fit, to be healthy, 
You can fucking be that if you want to. It might be 10,000 times harder for you than your neighbor across the street. And that's life, man. It's not fair. I think it sucks. But you probably have some other genetic advantages that they don't. You're just not seeing them or you're not appreciating them. Or you might be the person who just got the shit end of the genetic stick. You can't build muscle quick. You can't get lean super quick. And you got to work 10 times harder than your friends. It sucks, man. But so be it. What's your other choice? Just sit there and be unhealthy and unhappy and not like the body that you're sitting in and, and be obese and be at a higher risk for so many other you know, diseases and syndromes that are out there. I think that's a shitty way to go. You don't just quit. You maximize your potential, whatever it is. And it isn't fair. I think that of, of sports. Like, I love sports, dude. I really do. But I'm not six foot nine. I'm not 260 pounds. And I can't jump from the free throw line. And it's not fucking fair. But so what? I'm making do with the best I got. And when I really look at the scope of the world, of the 8 billion people on there, I think I'm doing pretty good. And I think if you're listening to me on your iPhone right now and you're healthy enough to be able to run, to jump, to skip, to move, to eat real food, to get quality sleep, to have a house, you know, to live in, and people who love you, you're doing pretty good too. Don't get hung up on the minor details and the semantics. Yeah, it isn't fair that you got to work harder than your girlfriends who are just naturally skinny or to your homies who naturally just build muscle. But so what? Just fucking outwork them. And it'll be worth that much more to you. You'll be that much happier. You'll be that much more satisfied. Because the way that I feel here, I, I have to die in these in these workouts to, to, to get to this point, to, to look this way, to move this way, to feel this way. And does it suck? Yeah. Because I don't I'm not naturally just have like this aerobic capacity. I've had to teach myself how to breathe. I have to build up the aerobic capacity, I have to build up the strength. You know, I, I once probably couldn't lunge for more than two minutes in a row. Now I can do lunges for a straight hour. That's a painful process to get there. But you know what? I got friends who could probably naturally start out lunging for 10 straight minutes and they were fine. But it's worth more to me because I had to work hard for it. And I truly appreciate it because now I own the skill. And I put in the blood, sweat, and the tears to get there. And you guys will be the same way. Nothing naturally ever came, you know, to me easy or, or quickly. And that's why I appreciate everything. And I never take it for granted. Because you have to fucking work for it. And you guys will be the same way. And if you're listening to me and you're genetically gifted, sky's the limit, man. You know, take the gifts and run with it because you're blessed beyond, you know, you can even imagine. And you're way more blessed than so many people out there in the world. I tell my wife that all the time. She's beautiful. She's naturally athletic. She's got a great body, smoking booty, you know. And sometimes she doesn't appreciate her gifts. And we always kind of want, you know, what we don't have. And I think when you ask anybody out there, you're always going to look at somebody else's body parts or something and, and think that, you know, you, you could you want that or you could have that. And I'm like, but that's the comparison game, which you've already talked about is a lose-lose situation. So just appreciate what you have and just work hard on the things you, you want to change, but do it healthily and happily. So sorry for my side rant. We're talking down the list here. The 10 factors that cause weight gain, obesity, and metabolic disease, many of which have nothing to do with your willpower. Number one, your genetics, my friends. Obesity has a strong genetic component. Children of obese parents are much more likely to become obese than children with lean parents. Surprise, surprise. It doesn't mean that obesity is completely predetermined. What you eat can have a major effect on which genes are expressed and which ones aren't. I'm going to repeat that again. That doesn't mean you're going to be obese just because your parents were obese. It's not completely predetermined. What you eat can have a major effect on the genes that are expressed and which are not. 
Non-industrialized societies rapidly become obese when they start eating a typical Western diet. Thanks a lot, America. Uh, Their genes didn't change, but their environment and the signals they sent to their genes did. Simply put, genetics and like the genetic components do affect your susceptibility to gain weight. Studies on identical twins demonstrate this obviously very well. You can get one twin can be shredded, one can be obese. That's same genetics, but when you take them and you put them in a different environment and you start having them eat a certain way and drink a certain way, you can send different signals to your genes to change how you are. So obviously, a quick wrap up. Some people appear to be genetically more susceptible to weight gain and obesity, but is not completely predetermined. I've seen a lot of people who don't have the best genetics and they've maxed out their potential and end up looking like rock stars. And I think one of the worst things you can do is take a gift that you've been given and shit it away and never be as lean or be as strong or be as functionally fit as you could be. Um, I heard David Goggins say something a while back. He was talking about toothpaste and as a girlfriend to throw away the toothpaste in the trash can. And he woke up and he's like, where the hell is the toothpaste? And she goes, I threw it away. And he goes, he got the toothpaste out. And he noticed that she he, she did what my wife does, where she doesn't roll that toothpaste. You know what I'm talking about? Where you like flatten it out. You can almost take like a butter knife and flatten it out. And then you roll that toothpaste up. So you squeeze every little inch out of that thing. And he said, he said you know what? There's still about a week's worth left of toothpaste here. And that's kind of how you feel about yourself in life. If you're the toothpaste, don't throw away a, a week's worth of it. Roll every little ounce of your genetic gifts out of your body. Push it to the limit and get the most out of your brain, you know, your work ethic, your mind, your body, your heart and soul that you possibly can. Don't just say, ah, this is it, and mail it in. Challenge yourself best you can. Number two, engineered junk food. Heavily processed foods are often little more than refined ingredients mixed with additives. These products are designed to be cheap, last long on shelves, and taste so incredibly good they are hard to resist, i.e. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Captain Crunch, fill in basically any breakfast cereal, Pop-Tarts, the things that I grew up on, uh, Doritos, all of these things, Funyuns, what else did I eat as a kid? Gushers, Fruit by the Foot, Dunkaroos, Teddy Grahams, all this shit. Not, not one bit of his real food. The fact that I'm still here even talking and breathing is a miracle. But by making the foods obviously as tasty as possible, the food manufacturers are trying to increase sales, and they're smarter than you are. Um, they study you, and maybe not you specifically, but your avatar, the, the person who lives in your community, who's the same height, the same weight, the same age, has the same problems, works at the same job, and they know if they make these chips this thick, you're going to eat 27 chips per sitting as opposed to 13. If they work on the size and the color and the texture and the color of the bag and the color of the food and how crunchy it is, they know what you'll do. And these food manufacturers, obviously, they're trying to increase sales, but they're also promoting overeating. And they know that you're not going to be able to have just one. I believe that was like Lay's uh, old thing back in the day. Obviously, most processed foods today don't really resemble whole foods at all. They're highly engineered products designed to get people hooked like drugs. And obviously stores are filled with processed foods and they're really hard to resist. And they do promote overeating and they're not real food at all. I've used this example before on the podcast many times before, an orange soda. 
doesn't taste anything like an orange. Now, I use an orange because yesterday we made this uh, citrus smoothie at our house. It's on my Instagram uh, right now. And uh, afterwards, we took the rest of the orange and just cut it up. And I did it like the ones where you put it in your mouth. Like you would, like my wife used to do it like soccer practice. Uh, you get your orange slices as your treat. Oranges are amazing, by the way. I have not eaten orange in, I don't think, the whole fucking year. And uh, that orange was great. I love oranges. I might eat them more now that I think about it. But in orange soda, you know it's an orange soda. Like you, you someone could give it to you blindfolded. You could drink it and you'd be like, oh, this is orange soda. That does not taste like an orange. Somebody could give you a grape soda and you could be blindfolded and drink it. And you'd be like, oh, this is grape. It tastes nothing like a grape. That's what I'm talking about. That shit's engineered to fuck with your brain and make you addicted to it. Now you even know the flavors of them. Like, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, oh, this is cherry. Uh, This is a cherry Mr. Freeze. No. That does not taste like a cherry whatsoever. So these guys are smart, and that plays a huge role in why people are as big as they are today. These food companies, they're not your friends. Not not the big boys. They, uh, again, it's, you know... Is it their fault? Eh, partially, you you have you're making a free choice, but it's like being at the casino. You're playing a game, and the game's kind of rigged if you don't really do your research, and you got to be really diligent about it. And that's where you know, not just self control comes into play, but really just educating yourself on you know what these foods are doing to you, what foods are good for you, and what's the purpose of you eating food, and why are you eating it. Number three, food addiction. Is a big one, man. Many sugar-sweetened, high-fat junk foods stimulate the reward centers of your brain. That's what I said. You get hooked, man. Um, in fact, these foods are often compared to commonly abused drugs like alcohol, like cocaine, like nicotine. I'm sure they're even going to throw cannabis in there, but I don't think I don't think cannabis is addictive. I just don't. Uh, I never bought into that. I'm not a doctor. I'm just an idiot in a warehouse. But uh, I never. I never got addicted to to weed, um, but man, alcohol, yeah, nicotine, yeah, and I hear cocaine is, as Rick James once said, you know, cocaine is a hell of a drug, and so obviously the foods that the, these companies are putting out are are, com- are compared. I don't want to say that they're the same. They're compared to the commonly abused drugs because junk foods can cause addiction in susceptible. You know, excuse me, people who are more susceptible can become addicted a lot easier. These are the people who can lose control over their eating behavior, similar to people who are struggling with alcohol addiction and they lose control over their drinking behaviors. Now, obviously, this addiction is a complex issue and it's very, very difficult for people to overcome. I've dealt with it in my own personal life. When you become addicted to something, you lose the freedom of choice and your biochemistry in your brain starts calling the shots. And that's when you get in trouble. And so, the example I give is when you become addicted to something, you start to manage your life around it. I've seen this in myself, in my own behaviors. Uh, I watched it in uh, in my, my dad growing up as well. Like I would be so addicted to chewing tobacco where I would kind of do things around it. And I would plan things around it. Okay, well, if I eat this meal, then I'll have a chew. Or if I push this off and I play video, like when I play video games, then I'll have a chew. When I get up, I'll you start to make certain life decisions based on when you can and can't do something. You watch people do this who smoke cigarettes. My, I use my dad as an example, and I love him to death. Hardest working dude I ever met. But he would, he would, and he would do it in a way that was like, like a responsible, you know, 
alcoholic would basically like when I'm a kid, he would always wake up early. Like the dude just, it just would work. And he would do all of, all the tasks and all the chores like early as hell in the morning, like go to Hy-Vee and go to the grocery store at like 4am. If we had to go like help my mom do something like, Hey, we're going to help your mom put an air conditioner in. We do, we, we're ghetto kids. We had the, the window air conditioning units. We didn't have central air. That's for the fancy rich folks. So we have like the, the window air conditioning unit. My dad would be like, we're going to wake up and do it at 6 a.m. I'm like, why the fuck are we waking up at 6 a.m., dude? Like, let, I'm, a ki- I'm, I'm, I'm 14. Let me just sleep. Let me live my life. And uh, just, he just wouldn't do it. He would do all the, the, the tasks early in the day. I think, A, because he's a go-getter and he would never sleep in just because he couldn't. But two, because I think he wanted to start drinking booze a little bit earlier in the day and he didn't want to be irresponsible and, you know, be driving under the influence or be doing things, you know, with a, you know, full on buzz. And so you see how you start to to manage your life around it. And I would do the same things. And it's tough, man, because when your freedom of choice, you start to lose it because you're the biochemistry in your brain is changing and it's taking over and it's 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 telling you to do something and it's changing your you know, rational thought patterns, you become addicted. It's why I think some people choose to live on the streets because their families say, well, you can live with us or you can live on the streets if you're going to do drugs. And they choose to live on the streets and do drugs because they're not thinking clearly because that addiction is taking it over. So the wrap up, some people obviously experience the food cravings and the addiction. And it especially applies to the, the, the super sugar sweetened high fat junk foods that stimulate the reward center in the brain and once it gets a hold on you it's hard to let it go it's why you know we really tell people if you know you can have some things then then have them and if you know once you start eating them it's a slippery you know downhill slope then maybe don't throw those things into your life and i'm not I, i'm not here to tell you how to do it for you you have to find a pattern that works for you i just know you know there's certain things i don't drink in terms of if I use alcohol, I'm I'm gotten way better with the food stuff. I really have because I got to the point where I don't want to feel uh, like shit eating. So I just don't buy things that I'm going to overeat. I'll buy single serving stuff. I've got to the point in my maturation with this. Seven years ago, no, I it just the food stuff had a hold on me. Ice creams, Cold Stone, things like that. Uh, booze did for a long time, like where I would go and uh, where were we at? Like at uh, we're at the Star Pass, it's a JW Resort here in Tucson. They have a great barbecue place. I forget the name of it. At the golf course, the barbecue spot is amazing. If you ever get to go, check it out. Uh, we're sitting there with my wife and her sister and her husband, and we're it's like we're watching the Cardinals Seahawks game. They're from uh, Washington, and uh, we're watching it. And I think I drank like like ten Moscow Mules, literally like ten Moscow Mules, and I'm like totally fine. It, it, it's it's nothing to me, but it starts to take me over. And that's a slippery slope. And then it's like, okay, the next time we go out, I'm like, well, maybe I'll get some Moscow Mules. And then I get, then I would get in that cyclical habit of, oh, I'm going to keep, you know, every time I'm going to go out, I'm going to have 10 fucking drinks. And that's just, it's, it's a bad spot for me to be in. So I empathize with people because I'm, I'm very similar. I do have now this robotic willpower that I'm not willing to give away, you know, to alcohol or to food, but it took me a real long time to get there. And it took me being a, a, a fitness professional and talking about it on camera and showing up you know, to, to even make a dent in my issues at first. And so I feel for everybody out there. So just know you, that's why I talk so much about self-auditing and seeing where you're messing up and what's holding you back and what you can do and what you can't do. And if you can just, you know, do something and stop or if you can't. And that's, you know, if you, anytime you go into a 12-step program or you look at something, you can see, okay, 
you know, admitting you have a problem for one, I think is the key. And then understanding, okay. And food addiction is the same way, except we don't talk about it as freely like we do Alcoholics Anonymous or something. Number four, the aggressive marketing. Obviously, junk food producers are very aggressive marketers. Their tactics get what I would call unethical at times, and they market the very unhealthy people with, you know, unhealthy foods. And these companies also make, you know, misleading claims. And what's worse, they target their marketing towards children. Obviously, in today's world, children are becoming obese, diabetic, and addicted to junk food long before they're old enough to make informed decisions about these things. And I think parents have to do a better job educating their kids. I'm not telling you how to parent. Um, My parents didn't know shit. And it wasn't that they didn't love me or care about me. They just didn't have the education. They didn't have Google. They didn't have a Jeremy Scott Fitness podcast. They didn't have somebody to listen to. And so I ate all the shit, you know, pops and uh, Frosted Flakes and Fruity Pebbles and Lucky Charms and, you know, Cocoa Crisp and all the shit. Like, that's geared towards kids because you go to the store and you see all these, you know, cartoon character breakfast cereals. And that's like when you would eat Dunkaroos, you'd watch the fucking commercial or like they'd have the, the Gushers commercials. And so like you love fruit snacks and it's like, oh, after school, drink Sunny Delight and all this stuff is horse shit. And then I'm addicted to that. And I think it's stuff I'll always like. Like, I don't buy Pop-Tarts, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of it right now, like, and I'm hungry. I'm like, Pop-Tarts sound pretty good. Like some cherry Pop-Tarts, some brown sugar Pop-Tarts. No, it's all fake food. Nothing is real about it. And I'm sure it's not as good as I remember, but I ate that shit as a kid all day, every day. And so you're always, I think, kind of addicted to it if you're the person like me and you always miss that. And it's the aggressive marketing that's put out there. And it's a lack of education that we have not handed down to to parents and and to kids honestly and educate them and say hey this is shit food you can eat it as a treat once in a while but it shouldn't be an everyday thing because kids are becoming obese diabetic and becoming addicted to these foods long before they even know what the hell is going on and before they can make their own informed decisions and i I, i'm not a parent so i'm not going to tell anybody what to do i get it it's tough but in my house it was like i don't want to eat that for dinner my dad would be like cool don't eat them, bro. You just wait. And when you're hungry, you eat. And guess what? I eat. And I, I am a fan of like the, you make your kids eat your vegetables before anything else. I still do that as an adult. I'll still eat Brussels sprouts, asparagus, and broccoli before I eat the steak. Because I love the steak. I'm always going to eat that. But I force myself to eat the things I don't love just as much to get them in. And I don't want to do like a, a food reward system. But man, if you can get into the routine of that and start treating fruit as like, you know, nature's dessert or treat, um, I think that helps. So with that, number five, insulin. Insulin is very important, and it's an important hormone that regulates energy storage, among other things. One of its functions is to tell the fat cells to store fat and to hold on to the fat that they already carry. The Western diet, thanks America, promotes insulin resistance in many overweight and obese individuals. This, my friends, elevates insulin levels all over the body, causing energy to be stored in fat cells instead of being available for use. So while insulin has a role in obesity, it's controversial, I guess, right? Like several studies suggest that high insulin levels have a casual role in the development of obesity. And one of the best ways to lower your insulin is to cut back on, you guessed it, simple refined carbohydrates 
while increasing your fiber intake. Chia seeds are a great option. Uh, this usually leads to an automatic reduction in calorie intake and effortless weight loss. No calorie counter or portion control is needed if you were just to cut out all the refined shit carbohydrates. And what does that mean? What do you eat then? Protein, produce, and water. And you wash, rinse, repeat. And you eat fruit as your treat and when you need energy. It is real food. It runs, it swims, it flies, it grows from the earth. That, my friends, is the key. Because if you know high insulin levels and insulin resistance are linked to the development of obesity, and if you want to lower your insulin levels, you reduce your intake of sugary bullshit, like the refined carbohydrates, the fake stuff, and you jack in some more fiber in there. It's not rocket science, but it is key. And obviously, you know, you don't want, you know, something in your body telling your fat cells to store fat and to hold on to the fat that they already have. That's insulin in a nutshell. Number six, certain medications obviously play a role. There's many, many pharmaceutical drugs that can cause weight gain as a side effect. For example, antidepressants have been linked to modest weight gain over time. Other examples include uh, diabetes medication and the antipsychotics as well. These drugs, you know, they don't decrease willpower, obviously, but they alter the function of the body and the brain, reducing metabolic rate and increasing appetite which is tough and again there's people who go the other way and they'll take you know Adderall and use Adderall as like a, a drug and that we'll see people here who take Adderall for 10 plus years and they they're not as hungry and their appetite is less and uh, I think their heart rate is up and they're kind of running on almost like they're on speed right and they feel great until they come off of it and i've had people do that and come off at some point you have to i don't think you can take adderall for 40 fucking years i could be wrong i'm not a doctor uh but i don't think you can do that and when we see these people come off adderall the waking comes and it comes quick man because they're not they don't have the aid of this like drug because they had to build up their the dosage over and over and over again and they got to the apex at some point like man i just can't do this anymore and it's tough to see and so that obviously is one way it works and obviously if you're looking at other drugs that you know mess with your brain and they reduce your metabolic rate and increase your appetite, obviously you're going to eat more and you're probably going to be more susceptible to weight gain and, and eventually become obese. Number seven, leptin resistance. Leptin is another hormone that plays an important role in obesity. Uh, it produces, or let me put it this way, it is produced. So if you think of leptin, it's produced by the fat cells and its blood levels increase with higher fat mass. So leptin, it is produced by fat cells and its blood levels increase with higher fat mass. For this reason, leptin levels are especially high in people with obesity. In healthy people, high leptin levels are linked to reduced appetite. So when working properly, it should tell your brain like how high your fat stores are. The problem is leptin isn't working as it should in many obese people because for some reason it cannot cross that you know blood-brain barrier. So this condition is called leptin resistance and it's believed to be a leading factor in the pathogenesis of obesity. So in essence like leptin is an appetite reducing hormone that doesn't appear to work in obese individuals and that's why i say like when you get fit 
and you get healthy, it's like the rich get richer because your body has to work so hard just to, you know, keep the muscle mass on and be this lean and stay this lean. Obviously, you still have to eat right and exercise. But when you're super like, I'll put it this way. So if I'm sitting here and I weigh 215 pounds, my body fat is in single digits, I don't know, 6%, 7%, 8%, whatever the hell it is. And uh, depending on how many cinnamon rolls I ate this weekend. And uh, let's say somebody else is sitting next to me and they're 215 pounds, but their body fat is 25%. Their hormones in their body, odds are, are not functioning the exact same way mine are. If somebody's sitting here and they're 215 pounds and their body fat is 45%, my body fat is 8%, we're not on the same playing field. Like my the efficiency of my body is not the same efficiency of their body. And that's why I say like being obese and in, in, in gaining weight is not just about like willpower and, and trying harder. You actually have hormones that are playing an important role in your obesity and they're not working in your favor. It's like ice skating uphill. You can fucking get there, but it's way harder. And I'm, I'm ice skating downhill. You're ice skating uphill. Who's going to cover more ground faster? So again, it's not always just about willpower. All these things play into it. Number eight, food availability. Another factor that dramatically influences people's waistline is food availability, which has increased massively over the past few decades. Food, especially junk food, is everywhere now. Shops display it uh, wherever you go, in the places that are going to gain the most attention. At the checkout at the grocery store, they get you know prime shelf location and end cap space everywhere you go. They're smart. Like I said, they know what the fuck they're doing. They're trying to make money, and they're trying to get you to eat as much of this shit as possible. And, you know, some people, especially in, again, it all breaks down to, to education and uh, in socioeconomic is real, too. So if you look at, and again, I'm going to paint a broad picture here. Don't people crush me. But especially like in, you know, the lower income neighborhoods, um, they might not have the same options to purchase all the same real food and fresh, you know, veggies and vegetables as everybody else. I haven't been you know, to the poorest of the poor, you know, neighborhoods in a while, but I don't think there's a lot of whole foods there. I don't think there's a lot of sprouts there. They have grocery stores, I'm sure, but it's probably not all the same stuff. And especially when you go places like, you know, convenience stores in these areas, they sell sodas, they sell candies, they sell processed garbage and shit all day. And it can't just be a matter of choice, you know, for some, if there's not a great choice there. And there is a financial a piece to it too. Now I've taught, I did a podcast on how to be healthy on a budget. You can do that, but obviously in some areas, finding fresh fish and whole foods is going to be more difficult. And it's going to be more expensive. And it's going to be leaving certain people, you know, without as many healthy choices. I'm not giving people a pass for that, but when you're broke as fuck, like I grew up, it's just a little bit harder, man. It just is. And when you have more money and you have a better education and you have better access to stores and resources and coaches, the food availability thing is a, is a factor for people, especially when you get down to you know lower income and the poverty levels compared to places where money's not an issue. And you know everybody can't buy organic, fresh, this, this, and this, but you can't always make a better choice, but there is places where the food availability is a problem, and I hate to see that. And typically... If you're in those areas, the food education is lacking because even in like the affluent communities, food education is lacking across the board in America, in my opinion. Number nine, sugar, baby. Added sugar may be the single worst aspect of the modern diet. That's because sugar changes the hormones 
and the biochemistry of your body when consumed in excess. When you're getting it in moderation, it's fine. When you're getting it in a more natural sense, it's cool. When it fits your macros, it works. But when you're getting too much of it, it can mess things up, which in turn contributes to, you guessed it, weight gain. Added sugar uh, is half glucose, half fructose. People get glucose from a variety of foods, including starches. Uh, but the majority of the fructose comes from added sugar. Uh, excess fructose intake may cause insulin resistance and elevated insulin levels. It also doesn't promote satiety in the same way that glucose does. Um, for all these reasons, you know, sugar contributes to increased energy storage. And if you're in a calorie surplus, ultimately you can contribute to obesity as well. So obviously, you know, I think a lot of scientists believe that excess sugar intake may be one of the main causes of obesity. Now, I don't want to blame sugar. And people say, well, sugar is like crack. I'm like, well, table sugar is not. Table sugar is just basic, you know, table sugar. That in of itself, uh, you know, isn't great and isn't ideal. But when you mix the sugars and the fats, that's my friends how it gets you. People say, well, sugar is like cocaine. I'm like, no, I don't do cocaine and I don't do straight table sugar either, but Straight table sugar is not that sexy, but when you put it into a Snickers bar, when you put it into some Reese's peanut butter cups, when you put it into some Cold Stone, when you put it into some, you know, fresh, hot, tasty cinnamon rolls, that, my friends, when it becomes addicting, and that's when it starts to contribute to weight gain. When you're already in a calorie surplus and you already have this energy, you know, imbalance going on in your life. And the last one I'm going to leave you with is the amount of misinformation, or as I like to call it, the amount of horseshit circling around the world. People all over the world are being misinformed about health, fitness, nutrition, what you need to do, what you should do, what is ideal, what is optimal, what works, what doesn't work. There are many reasons for this, but the problem largely depends on where people get their information from. There's a ton of websites, for example, that spread inaccurate and even incorrect information about health and fitness and nutrition. And at this point, everybody's an expert, right? Like, I don't know anything. I'm just a dude who tries to be healthy, who eats real food, who exercises, who practices mobility, who gets good sleep, who doesn't try to abuse drugs and alcohol, and tries to get people to, you know understand macros and micros and get all the good things in their body and get rid of the junk. And then if you want to get down into deeper details, you can. But there's so many news outlets over there that oversimplify and also misinterpret the results of scientific studies and the results that are frequently taken out of context. And you're, you're doing snippets and headlines. That's why I think the news is horseshit. This is a side note. Most people I've noticed like on Facebook, right? We post in our private coaching groups, and that's the reason we have a Facebook, and we check in, we share videos, we do stuff. It's a great platform for that in these private groups, but obviously, when you log in, you'll see the main feed, and, and they'll always, the news will ask questions, and most of it's just, you're just poking a bull, and people who I think do surveys are not typically the brightest people, and they're people who are just trolling and just being weird and, and really opinionated and just want to spit shit out into the world, but when you look at that, the amount of people overly simplifying things and taking it out of context, most people, they'll post a photo that's like very, you know, it's clickbait, and they'll post a headline that's also clickbait, and most people I find don't even read the actual articles. They just look at the photo, they see the headline, and they freak out, and they panic, or they live in fear, or they become enraged, and they just go from there. And they immediately jump into the comments and just start dropping bullshit up in there. So you have to understand 
don't take things out of context and, and do a little bit more research and really vet your news sources. Again, this is not a political channel or page. I don't do the politics game. I don't care. I don't get in that more, you know, I, I worry about what happens at my house, not not the White House every single day. Not that I'm not educated. I just, I'm not going to jump into it. But when you look at news outlets, that's why I say you have to pick them wisely and you have to make your best decision. You can watch Fox and you can watch CNN, right? And it, it, would, it feels like it's two different worlds, but they're talking about the same thing. It feels like it's two different planets. And these are news sources. They're supposed to be just sharing the news. It's just information, but they're not doing that. And so... Obviously, a lot of the stuff you're reading and seeing, you have to really understand how to interpret it, and you can't take it out of context, and you have to know if the information is outdated or it's based on theories that have never really fully been proven, and do you trust the person who's actually sharing it to you? Have you done your research on that person, on that reporting entity? And obviously, you know, food companies also play a role in this. Some, you know, promote products such as weight loss supplements and fat loss supplements and fat burners that simply do not work. They're complete horseshit. And, you know, they're talking about weight loss strategies based on false information that can hold you back from your progress. So it's really important you choose your source as well. And uh, misinformation, in my opinion, can contribute to weight gain in a lot of people. And it can make weight loss way more difficult. And it can make it really tough. And, you know, if you have concerns about your, your waistline and getting lean and getting fit, you should not, you know use the information I shared here to give up. You know, while you can't really control the way that your body looks, genetics is real, you can learn how to control your eating and your habits and you can change your lifestyle. You really can. You know, unless you have some crazy medical condition going on that's getting in your way, it is within your power to control how lean and how healthy and happy you want to be. You're in the fucking driver's seat, nobody else. You can use all the excuses in the book, and that's fine. But there's people out there who work harder than you, have worse hours than you, they have worse genetics than you, and they have all the same shit going on that you're dealing with, and they're somehow doing it. They're maximizing their potential. They're really making a conscious effort every single day. And if you're listening to me, you can too. If you're listening to me at all on these podcasts, you can be walking doing this. You can be doing walking lunges. You can be riding an assault bike. You can be doing jumping jacks every fourth minute, whatever the fuck it is, you can do that. It takes hard work and it often takes a, a drastic lifestyle change and like a come to Jesus moment for lack of a better term. But many people do succeed in long-term runs of being lean and being healthy despite having like the odds stacked against them, whether that be genetics or other things. The point is, is to open up your mind to the fact that there's something other than, you know, just the hand you're dealt that dictates how successful you can be. It, it's your individual responsibility that plays a role in how you look, how you move, how you feel, and how successful and happy you are, obviously, in this life. And the fact that, like, you know, the modern eating habits and food culture, you know, is kind of out of whack, you can start to reverse the problem in your own life. Again, it matters more what happens at your house than what's going on in the rest of the world. And the idea is that everybody is overweight, unhealthy, and obese just due to lack of willpower is exactly what all these food companies and booze companies want you to believe. So they can continue, you know, marketing and peace and just feeding you horseshit. And you'll just take and say, well, I'll never be fit. I'll never be lean. I'll never be healthy. I'll never be happy. So why the fuck even try? Then you're stuck in a shit boat forever and nobody wants to be there. You can change 
your story. You can update your life story. You can rewrite your health history book moving forward. No matter how shitty you've treated yourself, and you guys, I can promise you, genetically, I think I have it pretty good. Um, There's some internal things I have that have fucked me up externally. I think I'm doing okay. Knock on wood, nothing super crazy has happened. But I abused the fuck out of my body for a long time. Drugs, alcohol, not eating real food, not taking vitamins, getting quality sleep, among other dumbass things I did, and still I'm here today, and I was able to turn it all around. And I think you can too. If you really just commit to making a lifestyle change, is it going to happen overnight? No. You're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to fuck up, you're going to, for lack of a better word, relapse on probably some things. But you can't worry about being perfect. All you can do is try to be a little bit better every single day moving forward. And that's how every single success story has happened here. I've had people here lose 100 pounds and gain 40 of it back. So what? They're still 60 pounds lighter than they were before. And guess what? They've done it before. They can do it again. They identified why they gained it back, what went wrong, and now they're on the track to getting back to their original 100-pound weight loss goal and then some. So again, every season of life, as we can tell right now, There's ups and downs. There's peaks and valleys, man. There really is. But you just have to give a shit about yourself and you have to keep trying and you have to keep putting in the effort and you can't make excuses. Um, Even though it's not just all about willpower and you just, you know, pulling up your fucking bootstraps and working, there's a lot of factors that come into play. But at the end of the day, if you want something and you're willing to work hard for it consistently over time, you can get there. I promise you get you guys because I've sucked at damn near everything I've done in my life and hard work and uh, just an insane intensity over time is the only way I've been able to get there and, uh, and stay there. And I still have to keep showing up every single day to be here. So you being healthy is the same option. So with that said, reminder, uh, if you guys want to get a free bottle of probiotics, I think that's still going on. The link's in my bio, jeremyscottfitness.jlabpro.com. If you want to get 25% off of the protein powder I take, the probiotics I take, and the curl oils I take, it's the Labor Day of Sale they have, but I'm happy to send you guys the link directly so you can jump into it and hop on that bad boy. Um, Ask me any questions on anything at all. I'm happy to answer. If you guys have any podcast requests or topics, I'm happy to get to that too. If I can speak on it with any intelligence, I will. I believe we're going to get Heather back on the podcast tomorrow to drop some knowledge on you guys. If you got questions for her, hit me up. And if you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Go to the podcast app, kids. Scroll your finger all the way down. Drop me a five-star. Leave a couple comments. Truly would appreciate it. And if you have a friend or family member who has been struggling with their weight and they think they can't do it or they're being obese and they think that they're just like a loser and they can't hack it, please send this podcast to them because I know it can help if they can listen to it with an open mind. And I'm, and I'm happy to answer any other questions they have if we can help them you know, be healthier and happier because, hey, that's what we do here. Uh, we try to get people to live their, their absolute best life through healthy practices that are sustainable for the long haul. So other than that, uh, I'm getting tired. Mike hopping the assault bike here real quick. Head home, call it a night, and uh, we'll go from there. So thank you guys for watching on YouTube. We appreciate you. Again, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, we have about 1,200 videos on there, all for free, updating them every single week for your viewing pleasure and thank you guys for listening i appreciate you stay safe stay sweaty and until next time eat well train hard be nice to people and please you guys keep doing shit you love the people you enjoy because your life is too short not to i'll talk to you soon peace